was it just me or did the 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 covid break for the hurricanes feel like forever it it felt like so long that the hurricanes did not play a game it felt eerily similar to the covid stoppage the original one and it was only like how long was it eight days 10, ten days, days, I think. Ten, ten days. days. Between games, yeah. It felt so much longer than ten days because I see all these teams playing and it's yeah. like, and you don't know when the Hurricanes are going to play um, until we did know that the Hurricanes were going to play on Thursday. And it is Friday, January 29th. This is the Canes Country Podcast. My name's Brett Finger. I'm joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel. How are you two gentlemen doing? Doing well. Doing pretty good. The Hurricanes did pretty good last night. So first game back after 10 days of not playing hockey. And it was it did not go the way I expected by any means. Uh, the Hurricanes, they got Jordan Stahl back, who is the original COVID protocol list player from the Hurricanes. But they did not play with five regulars. Jacob Slavin as a defenseman. Warren Fogle, Jesper Fast, Jordan Martinook, and Tavo Teravainen. All of them did not play. So we saw the likes of Stephen Lorenz, Max McCormick, Sheldon Rempel, uh, Jake Bean, and do not tell me the last one. There are so many names. There's one more that I am not I haven't said yet. And that I said I said Lorenz, I said Rempel, I said um, I said all of them except for an, another forward who I have not said yep. yet, Sheldon Rempel. Uh, Sheldon Rempel. Who, okay, you know, it's who, it's who, it's almost like it's almost a trick question for the last forward because because they like, were they already were, off. They were already they off were, the Texas squad. They have already played this season. Oh, it was it was Morgan Geeky, right? Oh, uh, okay. Oh, uh, because Jordan was back. Okay, yeah. So okay, that doesn't count as getting it wrong. I don't think we'll we'll put it under. <laughs> we'll allow it. Um, we'll get back to you next week on that. But your official review. Um, so it's yeah, so it was quite a different lineup than we've seen or we saw from the first three games, and I I don't know what you guys expected, but uh, I expected there to be you know not not great, and very quickly, it was it was very clear that I, my expectations were wrong because they came out of the, out of the gate and they were great uh, off the jump. Obviously Tampa got back into the game and it was a tight checking hockey game, really solid hockey and great goaltending from Andre Vasilevsky and Peter Morazic that forced the game into overtime at zero zero and Martin Natchez scored from Jordan Stahl on a perfect little saucer pass right to the back door to Martin Natchez, and he chipped it over Vasilevsky for the win, and the Hurricanes are now 3-1-0 and to start their season. So, lots to go over from this game. Uh, Andrew, what were your takeaways from an impressive win? Um, yeah, the one of my biggest ones was... Obviously, Peter Morazic. I think the Hurricanes' goaltending so far this year has been really, I mean, really 
just stellar. I mean, you look at it, Peter Morozik has two shutouts in three starts, um, really nothing to fault him for in the Detroit loss. And then James Reimer had um, a really good win over Nashville. Going to hit you with some small sample size stats here, but the uh, <laughs> Hurricanes currently lead the league in both team save percentage and and are tied for the league leading goals against per game. Obviously, when you get two shutouts in four games, it's going to happen. But the bigger takeaway from me is really the goaltending has been pretty flawless. And I've, like, I'm not sure I would expect it to be this good all season. But if the Hurricanes continue to get anywhere even close to this level of goaltending, they're, they're going to be a really dangerous team. Yeah, when I was coming into this game, I was looking at it. I was like, okay, so what do we have here? We have Carolina Hurricanes, 10-day hiatus. Already they were looking a little shaky to start the season, and they never look good after a break. And I'm saying, like, okay, that's not great. And then I'm thinking a whole line of taxi squad players. I'm like, that's that's also pretty rough. And then <laughs> you're facing the, the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm like, well... This is a recipe for disaster right here, but we'll just see how the Canes can, you know, handle and go about it. And the one thing I hundreds I was not expecting was, I, was a shutout of the Tampa Bay. Yeah, game. that that doesn't I mean, like, happen often. No, I think I saw Stadler last shutout in like 2019, like over a season ago, by like Devin Dubnik, and um, it was just crazy to watch because right off the bat the canes came out flying they did not look rusty at all they were skating well they were looking like a carolina hurricane team that you expect to see normally and i honestly thought that fourth line that taxi squad line while they were like they did they weren't like you know a dominant force they were noticeable they were making an impact they were like on the ice and you could notice when they were there they were physical and they were moving the puck and they were you know very fast they were had good movement i i like the look of them i mean like i don't think like they were making a break in the team, but I think they did well filling in in a spot. They didn't hurt the team at all. Yeah, I think that that was impressive. You know, I think Steven Lorenz looked good. Um, he he had that early penalty kill shift that I, I thought was pretty solid. He was he was physical. Uh, he was pretty much what you'd expect and want f- from from Steven Lorenz. Um, I think maybe. I would say the best player from that whole group, though, was Jake Bean, who filled in for Slavin and played on the third pairing with Hayden Fleury. I I thought he looked great. Um, the the stall line with with Lorenz and um, who was on who was on that other wing with Lorenz uh, and Stall? Dzingle. Dzingle. Um, I that that line uh, got beat up pretty bad as a unit um but i I thought the individual play of lorenz was was pretty good but back to bean you know he he only got what like 11 12 minutes last night and he was sheltered as you'd expect um but he looked pretty calm and confident in the offensive zone he was very mobile moving around the offensive zone he wasn't afraid to to move in along the half wall and um, he he created some chances and even had a few really strong 
defensive plays, even though he got beat on one from uh, Blake Coleman, where he had a an opportunity on the far side uh, of a centering pass that, that Mrazek made a huge save on in the third period, I believe. But, yeah, I, I thought that they, they played well enough. And, you know, you, you, you look up and down the lineup, it, it's it's difficult to judge, really, off of, after this uh, long layoff. But from an effort standpoint and an execution standpoint, even, uh, it was really impressive and surprising to, to see how well they did. I, I, I thought that they were moving the puck better a lot for, for, for most of that game, better than they were in the opening week of the season, uh, where I thought I think we all thought that they didn't look very good. Um, they, they looked good against Tampa, a, a really good team, and given all the circumstances, there's really nothing you can complain about, uh, especially not the performance of Peter Morazic, who, like Andrew said, has been excellent through three starts. He has a 955, 955 save percentage and two shutouts and three starts. The The Hurricanes as a team have a 249 save percentage through four games. Uh, there's there's a lot of good to take from that. And from from an individual standpoint, did anyone stand out to you guys among the regulars that, that had a standout performance after that long, long layoff? I mean, it's pretty obvious with Martin Nietzsche's having the one goal, but even past that, Nietzsche was all over the ice to like in that game. Even just not having the goal, he had penalty kill shifts. He actually was deployed yeah. to Ajo a few times. Like, and that's you know, you never thought you would see Nietzsche's killing penalties, but he looked good. The situation the Hurricanes were in, you know, down everyone who was on the COVID protocol list is a penalty killer, a regular penalty killer. You kind of got to reach into your bag but Nate just looked comfortable out there he was flying around the ice creating chances I mean he's just a walking zone entry the way he can just you know dangle and skate his way into the zone it's crazy he's just so talented really and he was just generating chance after chance and I just think he looked really really comfortable and it's really promising to see him the whole second line really like Trocek and Niederreiter with him too were just really really strong I thought the second line was probably one of the Hurricanes best line throughout the game Andrew? I'm going to go with a forward and a defenseman. I thought that Jordan Stahl had a really impactful return to the lineup. If you look, um, obviously he has the beautiful game-winning assist on Natchez's overtime goal. He went 68% on base-offs, which is huge because that's an area that the Hurricanes had really struggled without him. Four hits. I thought he looked looked good. I thought he looked engaged physically, you know, especially when you consider, you know, he missed those – Hurricane's second and third games. Yeah, so really, that was the first the time he'd, he'd played in two weeks. Hurricane's so I undefeated that was, with Jordan Saul. How there about you go. that? Yeah. That was encouraging. Um, and he he wins the opening draw in overtime, which is always important because really the Hurricanes had the puck pretty much the whole overtime. I thought it was funny after the game, Rod Brindamore got asked a question about Stahl winning the opening draw and going to the bench and he goes, yep, that's part of the plan. It's like, Oh really, Ron, we've, we, we didn't figure that one out. But um, the other guy I thought, and this was a guy we all knew was going to be important with Jacob Slavin, but on defense, uh, their leader in time on ice, I thought Brett Pesci had a really, really good game. I thought he was really good defensively. I thought he played well with Jake Gardner, who I also thought looked good. But the other thing about Brett Pesci is he jumped into the play and, 
contributed on offense a lot. He had four shots on goal, and it seemed like a lot of times you were looking and, you know, Pesci was, you know, kind of getting up in the play and engaged and creating some chances. So I thought that was good to see. Um, I thought that pairing of him and Jake Gardner looked really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, uh, their best pairing was probably Gardner-Pesci. Flurry Bean was good too, but they... It certainly wasn't Shea Hamilton. It certainly wasn't Shea Hamilton, which we will talk about in one moment. Um, (laughs) But uh, Gardner-Pesci was good. They they faced a lot of tough matchups, and I thought they stood up really, really well. They heavily out... Uh, scoring chance their uh, their opponents went on the ice um, I think the raw course he wasn't great for them but the expected goals and the um, the scoring chances were heavily in their favor so they were getting quality scoring chances um, yeah uh, I know this is uh, this is who I am at this point but Jake Gardner looked good um, he he again he he just looks I'm trying to be, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm developing a bit of a reputation here, um, in case you haven't noticed. But he just looks so much more comfortable this year. Yeah. It, it, it really, it's, it doesn't feel like it's even close. If, if I'm being honest, um, you know, he, I'm not sure what was going on with him for most of last season. I don't know if it was a huge systematic thing. I don't know if it was like a mental thing being in a new place, but he, he looks just, you know, passing, scoring, whatever, all that aside, just watching him on the ice. He looks like he knows what he's doing now because at times last year, he, it looked like he didn't know where to be, what to do. Now it feels like he is better positioned on the ice. He, he looks more confident playing in this system uh with the puck he's he's taking more chances that are good chances for him um you know he he's been more reliable in the defensive zone he's been more physical boxing out and and pinning guys against the boards you know he's making better decisions i think he looks like a much better player this year uh just in terms of his his comfort on the ice um so that's been great to see and we'll, we'll i thought they looked good together garner and pesci but now we can talk about shea hamilton which was oh boy yeah it, it it wasn't good it wasn't as awful as it maybe could have been but it really wasn't i mean and the thing is with the players that the hurricanes have available you're going with Slavin out, you're going to have an imbalance in terms of two offensive minded defensemen on one of your pairings. And I thought it was interesting that they chose to break up that Shea Pesci pairing that they seemingly have liked, but like we said, has been kind of an adventure defensively um, and put him with Hamilton. I think the way the other two pairings played as not good as it was, I would almost leave it for now yeah. for these other two games until Slavin comes back because you know as soon as Jacob Slavin comes back, you're putting him back with Dougie Hamilton anyway. So as long as that Shea 
Hamilton pairing isn't totally killing you and you're still getting the kind of play you did last night from Gardner Pesci and Flurry Bean, I would probably just leave it alone for the, you know, however many more games that Slavin is going to be out and just hope for the best. Yeah, both of them just kind of looked like hesitant. Like they just, neither of them could really play their game. They looked like they were both holding back. Very unfamiliar with each other. It looked. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be a feeling out process. Who knows? Like maybe the next game they could look a little better, but it, they were both hesitant, I think is the biggest issue. They were both just kind of holding back, I feel. Well, when I asked Brady Shea at one of the media availabilities this week about um, playing with Dougie Hamilton, he said that he felt like they both knew like when to jump or when the other one was going to jump and when to stay back and cover. And it looks like the absolute opposite yeah, of that. Yeah. They had no familiarity. It looks like with each other's tendencies, no clue, you know, when to do what. And yeah, like Ryan said, they just definitely not a lot of confident decision-making from either of them. You know, you're, if you're Dougie Hamilton, all you know, over the last season and, a uh, well, really, most, season, of, two seasons, season, really, most yeah. of the second half of the 18-19 season, too, all you know is playing with Jacob Slavin. And that's a good thing to know if you're a player. <laughs> I mean, that's, not a yeah. bad not a bad situation at all. And with all due respect to Brady Shea, that's quite a difference. That is, <laughs> that is I mean, you're going from, I am so familiar with you. We are two Norris ca- candidates. We both finished top seven in North voting last season. Um, we are a unstoppable duo. And then you replace Slavin with Shea. And it's like, who are you? You <laughs> you are about the same height and you are also left-handed. But outside of that, not very many similarities uh, in their game. Um, they played different and you know, obviously Shea's not slaving. So it's it was quite, you know, jarring. Um because at times I was watching, I was like Shea is kinda like a it's kinda like a he, he kinda looked like a knockoff Slavin for for, for for a few reasons. One because he's a big lanky left handed defenseman and also because he's seventy six and not seventy four. Like there, you're like, is that is that Jacob Slavin? And you're like, no, that's not Jacob Slavin. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, so it was it was interesting watching that, and I think Shea's good. I think he, I think he has the ability to fit well. Um, I just don't think it's going to be next to Dougie Hamilton. I just don't think it does. I think it doesn't work. You know, thinking about you know, Andrei Svechnikov had a number of chances in that game as well. Um, he he nearly broke through on a couple of instances. Sebastian Ajo had somehow didn't score on the power play in the first period. Rang it off the crossbar. Rang it off the crossbar, and then he got another chance and missed the net. And uh, he also set up Svechnikov for a really good cross-seam pass, and Svechnikov got robbed by Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky was just great. I think he was just on it. He was really good. Um, well, that's the other thing about Mrazic is he pretty much had to be flawless with Vasilevsky doing what he was doing at the other end. No, Brett, when you mentioned Svechnikov and Ajo and earlier how things weren't working, Brock McGinn first line is just... Oh, man. 
It's just a thing that doesn't work. Like whenever you think, whenever you think that that era of Hurricanes hockey is over, it just it, it, it reminds away. you that it'll never leave. First line Brock McGinn always no finds a way. No one's ever at least, really dead. At least, I mean, I know they he, they did that a little bit in the third period of the Nashville game, but at least this time it took it took five regular play. Like it took an <laughs> act of God for Brock <laughs> McGinn to be on the first line. Like not just like divine Brock intervention McGinn for sure. <laughs> Watching that game, it's like Aho and Svechikov are making a lot of passes and plays to each other, spinning around defensemen, like breaking the, and like <laughs> the puck will like skitter up to him again, and like he'll either miss it or shoot it like wide of the net. And I'm like, uh, yeah. it's, I'm like, they need a finisher <laughs> with them or another playmaker, and it's just it's not Brockman. Like Brockman yeah. brings so much to the Hurricanes in terms of energy, penalty kill, hustle. He's that gritty grind player, like almost like a heart of the team. But he's not a first line player. <laughs> There were <laughs> there were legitimately times during that game where I was like, "Do they have a third line mate? Like, is is it just them? Is there another? Yeah. Per- are they killing a penalty? What's going on? Where's the other forward on that line?" <laughs> you really use a player like Tavo Teravine in there, and it, yeah, it's the same thing with going from Slavin to Shea, but dramatically, <laughs> dramatically worse when you're going from Teravine into McGinn. I mean. That's that, even, yeah. That's insanity. Um, it's... <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was funny to see some of that play out throughout yeah. the game because there, I mean, it's what it's what you have to do. I mean, there's no other option. There's no other option. It's like you know, to be fair, there's like not much. No, like, I, you know, it's... you could go. I would say like you probably could have put Zingle up there. Would have probably been a better option, to be honest. But but then you've got Brock. Yeah, I mean, it's hurts. like you have a checking line. That's true. I mean, yeah, like like we said, like when you're when you're dealing with five regular players out of the lineup, there is gonna be some areas where you're just gonna be like, "This is not ideal. This is not what we want. This is not going great." But we've just got to kind of bite the bullet and live with it for however long. Some good news on the front. Uh, breaking scoop from Kane's Country re- photographer Katie Golick today at the Hurricanes optional practice. Three of the five players who were missed that game and have been on the COVID protocol list, Tavo Teravainen, Warren Fogel, Jordan Martinuk, were on the ice with some, uh, mostly like the taxi squad guys who played last night. They were on the ice today. I asked Rod Brindamore more about it. He said there's no real update on their status for games because this is their first on-ice workout, obviously, since they went on the list but they are cleared to practice and it's a good sign they're on their way back. So based on that, I'd be surprised if we saw any of those three against the Dallas stars on Saturday and maybe even on Sunday, but hopefully maybe next week. And then we'll just have to wait and see when today's list comes out. Um, If Jacob Slavin, who was on, went on the list is the same time as those guys, but was not at practice today is still on it. And then I know Jesper Foss was added to the list, I believe, last saturday so he hasn't even cleared his 10 days yet but still some positive signs that the hurricanes may be getting some reinforcements sooner than later yeah that's that's great news um you know you're getting potentially really important pieces back and you're you know you're coming off of a game that on paper you should have lost but in practice, I mean, it was a really impressive effort, a, a really impressive team effort, and now you're going to be adding uh, some regulars to that group. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the lineup shakes out once 
Um, once those guys do come back, and uh, we'll see about Fast and Slavin as we move forward. Um, so yeah, this weekend, Dallas comes to town. The uh, last undefeated team. Yep, and uh, it's the COVID Cup here uh, after <laughs> after how the season started. Uh, Dallas uh, <laughs> had 17 uh, COVID protocol cases, and the Hurricanes only had six. So the stars were blowing out the Hurricanes in that category. Uh, expectations for the weekend of, of Carolina-Dallas. I think it's going to be. Go ahead. I think it's going to be a hard-fought one because, like I said, Dallas is like. Granted, they were postponed. They've only played four games, but they've won four straight games now, and they are outscoring opponents massively. They have a plus thirteen goal differential, and that's not something you expect from the Dallas Stars. They are scoring on all cylinders right now. It's it's crazy to watch. They they are really. They're not. You know, they're playing. They played like. I mean, they. I know they played Detroit last night. So you know that's. You know, you look at that, and you're not you're not like too impressed. They played Detroit and Nashville twice, but you know they've had a seven nothing win over Nashville, three two win, a two one win over Detroit, and then a seven three win over Detroit. They are they're scoring, and that's a scary when a scoring heavy team comes into town. But Peyton Rising, James Rummer are playing well, so I think it's up in the air really. But you know this Stars team is kind of look, looking pretty dangerous from what I'm seeing, so I think it would be a pretty good matchup. Aren't they without Sagan and Ben too? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no. I think you know. You asked me for expectations. Uh. The last set of expectations I had for a game went pretty differently. <laughs> uh. But no. I mean, like like Ryan said, I think we'll see a good battle. I think we'll continue to see a motivated Hurricanes team. The interesting thing for me, and I asked Rod Brindamore and Jordan Stahl both about this after the game, and they seem to kind of agree. That I think last night is the kind of game that, you know, the, we've all heard the guys talk, and the, it's mostly the same team from last year. This is already a close-knit group, but coming off everything that they went through in the past 10 days and being without those guys and being able to rally and have that kind of a performance against a team like Tampa, I think that's the kind of game and the kind of win that can really rally a team even closer together. And under normal circumstances, it'd be too early to talk about, you know, a quote-unquote turning point in your season. But when you're playing 56 games, you know, everything yeah. is crunched up. So it's going to be really interesting for me to see if that game is something that has a lasting positive impact moving forward. That's a great point. Um, so, yeah, this this weekend will be interesting. It will be, you know, some good measuring stick games for the Hurricanes because when you think of the top contenders in this division, you think of Tampa, you think of Dallas, and the Hurricanes see themselves as a team that can compete with any of these teams. They they did a good job of showing that last night, and I think this weekend is going to be pretty important as well. Now, uh, I think that's all we have. Do we have anything else? Oh, well, obviously, Brad. Come on. All right. First face-off predictions. Let's go. Oh, Brett, you got to hold that Vincent Trocek pick to the moon. <laughs> to the moon. Absolutely. To the moon. Vincent Trocek to the moon. I'll pick uh, Jordan Stahl. For which games? Uh, for, uh, yeah, for both games. I'm going to call dibs on them. Fine. I'll take Sebastian Ajo and leave Brett with his precious <laughs> Vincent Trocek. I mean, to be fair, we can all pick Jordan Stahl if we want. 
Um, okay, so how about uh, stock markets, huh? You know, the economy and GameStop, stuff. baby. I'll be honest, this whole podcast, I have another screen open where I'm just watching my stocks currently. Oh, my goodness. Wait, what do you what do you have? I have a stock of GameStop, and I have six shares of AMC. <laughs> do you oh. really? <laughs> no lie. How is it doing? When did you uh, buy in on these? Well, I bought in... I bought GameStop yesterday morning, and I bought AMC two days ago. Okay, what did you? What was it at then? I my GameStop, I bought it at two eighty. Okay. So it's been up all day. I just I'm holding the line. You know, we gotta hold. You the gotta line. hold. You I have hold to hold the right line. now. And my AMC is at thirteen dollars a share. Okay. So, uh, are you up on both? Oh, yeah, I'm up on both. I'm in the green on both. We're just seeing That's great. how far we can push, you know, to the moon. There was a there was a lot of controversy yesterday um, about uh, this Mr. Robinhood. Uh, do you use Robinhood? I'm, I'm assuming you don't. No, I do. Use oh, you do. You do. Okay. But I managed. I managed to buy mine before they shut everything down. I know. That's why I was assuming that you didn't. Um, so yeah, you got in perfect time. I was a lucky bastard. It would appear. All right, Andrew, are you following this rapidly developing story? Kind of. A little bit. Yeah. The way I looked at it, it was like, this is a cultural phenomenon once in a lifetime happens. If I get burned, hell, I was a part of history. That's one way to look <laughs> at it. <laughs> Me and a million other people are going down, and you know what? It's beautiful. Wow. that is That's a beautiful sentiment that you're putting out there yeah i I've, I've learned a lot about uh stocks over the past couple of days and by learn a lot i mean i've heard a lot of people talk about stocks and i've learned very little <laughs> i have a very base understanding of stocks and the only thing that i've gotten out of this is to the moon and i've, I've all been you using, need to know diamond I, hands diamond hands to the, to the moon hold the line all these things i'm learning and I'm incorporating into my daily vocabulary. Um, so that's there been interesting. Sir. That's been fun. Um, Hopefully the Hurricanes can hold the line against the Dallas Stars <laughs> this weekend. Hold the, Canes, the, the Canes actually, after this win, to the moon. To Not the losing moon. another game. Canes to the moon. That Jake Gardner stock, to the moon. Buy in on that. Honest. On the ground floor. If you haven't, it's too late. I was on the ground floor of this investment. Uh, it's too late now. Red's about the, going to floor. the moon. <laughs> but now, you know, once once Jacob Slavin gets back, the the coaching Kane's coaching staff is going to short the stock, and it's going to go plummeting into the ground once he gets ten minutes of ice time per game. So that, <laughs> there's that on the stocks. Very important stock update, uh, Ryan. We're going to need another. Also, up- I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is not financial advice. Okay, we yeah. like we just like the stock. This is for energy. <laughs> This is for entertainment purposes only. We like the stock. We like the stock. This is not financial advice. Entertainment purposes only, like Andrew said. Okay, but here's the thing. You realize, because you talked about this now, uh, Ryan, you're going to need to update us next week. Oh, I'll update you next your, week. On your stock market whether adventures. I'm, whether this I'm is the new Arizona Diamondbacks. Whether I'm calling in from Boca Raton... Or... Yeah, where are you going to be next week? You're going to be in Boca. You're going to be in some resort. You're going to be in a in a pr- private plane over the Atlantic Ocean coming onto the podcast. 
Um, you're gonna be. And then the week after that, you're calling in from the moon, baby. From the moon, literally from the moon. Next year, you'll be calling in from Jupiter. I mean, you're gonna be. You're gonna be riding the stock all the way. You're gonna be riding the rocket all the way outside of the solar system. That is exciting for you. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Arizona Diamondback season tickets. <laughs> He'll buy the team. Are you kidding? He'll buy the team. That's true. He'll buy it off of all these greedy hedge funds after yeah. we bankrupt them. But yeah, Rob, it was very, it was very interesting following it because Robin Hood uh, did some shady things yesterday, and it's good that you got in there before those things happened. Ah. Uh. I wanted to buy on those dips so bad. <laughs> yeah, I bet all you blocked did. out. You did. Robinhood market manipulated us, working <laughs> with the hedge funds. Nah, yeah, stick it to the man. You can't sell. You got to hold. Got to hold. hold. Hold the line. <laughs> they hold cannot the line. stop you. This is the revolution. Diamond right hands. Now. No, sh- we ain't. Sh- <laughs> we aren't shaky. Diamond hands. We're solid <laughs> on these stocks. Um, I saw Chris Cuomo on on, uh, on CNN had the CEO of Robin hood on last night for an interview and my God, he just eviscerated him. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it was great, but it was terrible. How Chris Cuomo just ripped this CEO of Robin hood apart. Uh, it was very entertaining. I don't know why these CEOs like opt to go on these shows and like on these like talk news. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'll come on. And then like the, the anchor just like rips him. It's like, what do you expect? Especially Chris Cuomo. Like that's yeah. kind of his thing. Yeah, it's it's great because like he'll ask him a question and like a sentence into the answer, he just starts shaking his head in disapproval. And then, you know, like, oh, geez, you you, you fucked up. You done it. (laughs) In short, uh, the economy, stock markets. Thanks. All right. I, uh, I pulled up. Also, I forgot. There's one last part of the podcast we need to make sure we cover. I pulled up a um, random quote generator on Star Wars, a Star Wars random quote generator here to make sure we cover our Star Wars bases. Oh, this is fun. And, uh, a Yoda one here. Uh, difficult to see. Always in motion is the future. And I think that captures well the hurricane season as wow. well as these stocks. <laughs> wow. I think this random generator really worked out well here. I think we, I should, I think we should do um, Star Wars trivia on the podcast. I think that would be fun. We should. That made me think of that from the random quote generator. All right, maybe next week we'll uh, we'll fix something up like that. Um, we did not. Uh, Brett and I did not know the random quote generator uh, thing was coming. Ryan was a rogue one on that. <laughs> <laughs> me and Jake are. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> one of the best jokes ever made on the podcast. It was Andrew's rogue one joke. It was one of the very best. I'm I'm not but, sure it could possibly be topped. Okay, well, that's it for the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. The The Hurricanes are back. That's exciting. Uh, people are getting healthy, which is great. And the Hurricanes have two more games this weekend against the Dallas Stars. And we'll see how those go. And we'll talk to you all next week. Uh, Andrew, where can the people who listen follow you on Twitter and only Twitter? At A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. And Ryan. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger. You can follow Kane's Country on Twitter at Kane's Country. You can fo- 
uh, follow on Instagram at Canes Country Picks P I X. Read the site. Enjoy the hockey that that will be played over the weekend. It's you know we got ten ten days of no hockey, but now it's going to be coming uh, fast and furious. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, etc. Uh, to the moon. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>